And now we take you to Transformation Church in Tallahassee, Florida for another powerful transformational message. For more information, visit our website, transformtlh.com. Well, this morning we are in week two of our four-week series called It's Not You, It's Me. And so Ryan desires for us to learn from this infamous breakup line where when somebody comes to be like, oh, oh, it's not you, it, it's me, that we're going to flip that because God is saying to us today, to you and to me, it's not you. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about his love. It's about the Lord. And so this morning, as we open up the word of God, now listen, he did a song last week. And so I'm going to share with you a song this week. Now, this is not one of my favorite bands. It's one of Ryan's. We did not name our child after this band. (laughs) But as I was going through to find a song that would fit this one, it was this one right here. So I'm not a big Journey fan, but I do have to say we love golfing at Southwood because we have a golf playlist. And I don't know if you know, but their carts have these speakers. And so this is on Ryan's golf playlist that that we listen to Journey the whole time. It's on repeat. I know it has to, we put it on from when my parents were with us and my mom's like, you play music when you golf? I said, I don't know. It's, it's technology. He wants to be a part of it. But today's message is entitled Open Arms. And this morning we are going to look at one of the greatest, if not the greatest stories, written stories in the world. And this morning, we're going to learn and we're going to look at the prodigal son. So first off, before we get started, let's say our congregational prayer together. Repeat after me or say with me. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, God's relationship of love to us, we tend to view it through our own experiences, our own love relationships. Maybe we, it's a spouse, maybe it's, it's a parent, that that's how we view the love of God. But in his word, he shares with us that his love is so much greater, greater than we as humans can understand, comprehend, or even reproduce. I love my kids. I, I, I love my children. I, I love my husband. But as Ryan said yesterday, we also have a word that I love pizza. You know, I, I love different things. The love of God is so different and so much greater than anything that we can understand or reproduce. That it's so important for us to dive into scripture and see what the word of God says about his love. Last week, Ryan shared with us just not just that God, God loves us, but that God is love. It isn't something that he does. It is who he is. It's his very character. Well, this week, we want to take a minute and we're going to talk a little bit about the prodigal son. But what we want to do is we want to shatter a statement 
that maybe has run through your mind. I know it's run through mine. And this is the statement that maybe you've heard or, or someone that maybe you've been witnessing to somebody in your family and this is their response to you. God can't love me because, and then fill in the blank. God can't love me because I never get it right. God can't love me because I keep making mistakes. God can't love me because I'm not a good person, because I have bad thoughts, because I mistreat those around me. I don't know what's in your blank, but there has been moments in my life, and I've been saved since I was five, where I don't understand how God can still love me because, because my attitude isn't always great. Because at times I am unfaithful to him. Because of my actions or because of my words. And all of us have that moment in our life where the enemy comes to us and says, God can't love you because of what's in your rear view mirror. With the title of today's message of Open Arms, and we're gonna look at this greatest story, one of the greatest stories ever written, you've got to understand that the world recognizes the greatness of the story. Shakespeare wrote plays based on it. Rembrandt painted a picture of it. Charles Dickens said this. He said it, he described it as the finest short story ever written. And another person called it the most attractive picture of God ever drawn on earth. This is a story that our Lord Jesus shares with us. And so let's turn to Luke chapter 15 this morning. At the beginning of this chapter, it starts in verse 1, where Luke is sharing with us that there are tax collectors and sinners all around Jesus, that the Pharisees were complaining that Jesus was even eating with sinners. And the Lord's response to the Pharisees coming to them, it was three stories. And so this, the, you know, he talked about the lost coin. There were, there were so stories about how things were lost and then found. But then Jesus comes to this story here in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he says, to illustrate the point further. So Jesus tells this story to illustrate the point of God's love for sinners. If you're anything like me, you say sometimes that God shouldn't love me more than you say he should. And Jesus wanted to make this clear in scripture that those of us who live a life plagued by sin and failure and those of us who feel like we are flawed to the very core, and those of us that feel like we are messed up and tainted goods, listen, no matter how we view ourselves, God loves us. And so Jesus tells this story to the Pharisees, and in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, he says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, the younger son told his father, I want, to sh I want my share of your estate now before you die. 
So his father agreed and divided his wealth between his two sons. Now let's stop here. This was not commonplace in Middle Eastern culture and it still isn't today. But I want you to think about your child coming to you in their 20s and saying, "Um, go ahead and divide. I I want what's mine now. Right, that's the response. Uh, Actually, my my mom told me a story. She didn't even know I was speaking on this and a friend of ours passed away um, this last week and her daughter is, is my sister and I's age. And she said that her daughter actually did that when she was 20 and she said, Mama, I want my, I want my inheritance now. And she said, inheritance? <laughs> no, no, no. And so this son, the younger son, came to his father and said, I want you to divide the estate and I want my share now. The magnitude of this demand from the son to this father was outside of culture, was outside of really what the heart of the son is for the father. It was all about the money. Verse 13 says, a few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. For us today, that distant land represents a separation from God. See, we are the younger son in this story, and God is the father. And when the son went to that distant land, it, 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 for us, it represents the sin that separates us from the presence of the father. And I believe that today there might be some in this room where you feel separated from God, that you don't feel his love. And one of the reasons why you don't is because you don't think you deserve it. And friend, can I tell you, we don't. So if you feel that way, you're right. (laughs) We don't deserve the magnificent, wonderful love of God, yet he still lavishes it on us. And it doesn't mean that it's not there. Scripture says that, that this young son wasted all of his money in wild living. He went and sinned. But then the scripture says this in verse 14, about the time his money ran out. Oh, you know, my daddy used to always tell me, listen, sin is fun for a season. And then it doesn't get fun no more. There's a moment in our life where we as children of God, we are made in the image of God that we understand that he has a better life for us. So the enemy tempts us to run wild in these sins, but all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. In fact, it's a bondage. It destroys our mind, our bodies, our relationships, our families. There comes a moment in our life where we recognize and we realize that his way truly is better. It says, and about this time his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. 
This right here was so devastating in this story. He's, Jesus is teaching the story and telling the story and there are Pharisees all around. They, did, they had nothing to do with pigs. It was, it was not, listen, can I get an amen for some bacon? But those Pharisees had nothing to do. Oh, y'all, this, today, this weekend, I had b- bacon-wrapped tater tots. <laughs> Listen. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you, it's almost lunchtime. But for this young man to find himself in the filth of what, what the Jewish culture wouldn't even touch... And that was his job. Don't you find yourself sometimes in sin and you find yourself at a place, you're like, how am I here? What did, what did I do to get this far off course? Why am I here? The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. He was at the end of the end. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Where sin had brought you to the end of the end. Verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. For the last few years, Ryan and I have seen this saying over and over again on social media and Instagram, and it says, you can't change what you condone. You can't change what you condone. There are things in our life that need to shake us and wake us up. Even those of us that have been saved since we were babies and and, and grew up in church and lived in church all of our life, we are still becoming like Jesus. There are still things, listen, I wish I could tell you that there were things that I'm doing good, right? But I, I, I do have to tell you, every week, the Lord is carving out more and more of Andrea to make room for him. And this young man came to himself in the middle of his sin. It woke him up. And he said, oh, I remember. I remember my father's house. I remember how good it was in the father's house. I remember there was a place for me to eat. I remember that there was food even for the servants in my father's house. My prayer has been this week that if any of us have walked away from the presence of the Lord, that today we would remember the love of our father and his house. We can't condone, we can't change what we condone. Nothing will ever change in our life as long as we make excuses for it. If we make an excuse of why we are the way we are, friend, we will not change. But when we humble ourselves before the Lord and we say, God, you don't want me 
to be this way. I'm your daughter. I'm your son. I'm your child. You want something different for me. That we allow the excuses to go to the side and we allow the change of the love of God to begin to operate in our life. The son says this in verse 18. I will go home to my father. This is when he's in the pig pen. When he comes to himself, he says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Have you ever been in trouble at home and you driving home and you practice what you're going to say to your parents <laughs> when you get to the door? I'm going to say this, that I'm late for curfew and this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to practice it. On my, he was practicing it on his way home. Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. When he came to himself in the midst of his sin and he realized that he had left the father's house, there was a humility and a humbleness before him. The son recognizes that he doesn't want to keep living the way that he's living. But, and this, listen, he assumes that the father can't love him because of what he's done. I remember the love of my father before, but it must be dependent on my actions. So the fa my father can't love me like that anymore. So I'm going to practice it and I'm going to rehearse it. And Lord, I, I can't, I can no longer be considered your child, but hire me as a servant. Have you ever thought that? God can't love me because, oh my friend, the response of the father in this story is the response of our heavenly father's love towards us. In verse 20, so when he returned home to his father, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. We have this view of God that his love depends on what we have done. That our past disqualifies us from the love of the father. But our heavenly father, he sees us coming. He sees us coming a long way off and he takes off running towards us. Amen? a long way off. Verse 21 says this, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Here's the struggle. Here's that struggle again. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of doing this for you, right? Right? That's what we feel inside. 
But listen to the father's response in verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Go get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Now for us, this doesn't seem like a huge response, but I want us to look culturally what this meant in this day. First, what the father did was he said, go bring me the finest robe. You see, the robe wasn't just any robe. It was the finest robe he had. Go get me the best. Go get me my robe. This is what it was, which means the robe that only the patriarch of the family wore. Listen, when Jesus is telling this story, and he is explaining the father's love for the ones that are lost. Remember this, it was the tax collectors, it was the greatest sinners that the Pharisees looked at and said, why are you spending time with them? Jesus tells them this story so they can understand the love of the father, that the father says to the greatest sinners, let me go get my robe and put on them. The ring Get a ring for his finger. In Jewish custom, it was a really important piece of jewelry. This ring signified which family you belong to. This ring was the ring that you used to pay for goods or to sign a contract because the name and the insignia on the ring meant who the family was that this belonged to. And the father looked at his son and said, I'm not only gonna put on you the best robe, I'm gonna put on the ring that represents that you're my son. You are a part of my family. And the last thing that he told his servants to go get for the son was the sandals. And friends, the sandals in those days were only worn by the family. The servants in the home had no sandals. The representation for the father, that son, you belong to this family. You're not a hired hand. I welcome you back just the way you were when you left. You belong to me. Then the father says this in verse 23, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So let the party begin. The celebration that happens in heaven when you and I are reconciled to the Father, and one day when Jesus comes again, there will be a great feast in heaven. Friend, I don't know where you are today with your walk with Jesus. I don't know how separated you feel from the love of the Father, but I can tell you this, there is no mountain he won't climb up. 
There's no shadow he won't light up. There's no wall he won't bring down. There's no lie he won't tear down. He's coming after you. That all we do is make the turn back and he comes running to us. We think that it's a huge step to walk up here, but can I tell you, friend, he's already meeting you in your seat. He desires so much to have a relationship with you that he will come running after you. No matter how far away we think we've gone from the love of God, he is close to us. There are a few things, I'd, real quick, just some observations of this story. First thing is this, God loves you even when you don't love him. God anxiously awaits for the moment you choose to return home. I love this one. God is the first to forgive. God pursues you even when you've hurt him. And God restores your place in his kingdom even when you don't deserve it. He is worthy because he first loved us. There's a quote from a Christian named John Ortberg that says, nothing you will ever do could make God love you more than he does right now. No great achievement, no greater beauty, no wider recognition, not even greater levels of spirituality and obedience. And that nothing you have ever done could make God love you less. No sin, no failure, no guilt, and no regret. Friend, God loves you even when you don't love him. What a comforting statement of the love of God. This morning as I've been praying and asking the Lord, we're gonna sing this song, Reckless Love. We're gonna sing a little bit of it again. But if that's you today, I want you to prepare your heart to turn back to the Lord that maybe you feel a lot like that prodigal son, that your sin has separated you from God and he can never accept you back. And friend, his love is running after you. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, transformtlh.com. Transformation Church is all about helping you to connect with God, grow in Christ, and serve the church and the world. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.